Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. Candidates in Conversation. The Lynn Dixon edition. If we had a 10-year plan, it takes the politics out of government. Independent Erie County Executive Challenger Lynn Dixon talks roads. I will point out, too, that Mark Polenkars' entire campaign eight years ago was fix the roads, fix the parks. And here we are eight years later, and the roads are not in better shape, and neither are the parks. The Skyway. What we cannot do is just say we tear the Skyway down without a viable plan that is actually, you know, getting us um, moving traffic as quickly as the Skyway does. The campaign Photoshop controversy. I, and I said this to Mark Polenkars last week. I said, Mark, I've talked to you more in the last 24 hours than I have to Chris Collins in the past eight years. And politics in general. They, they just want government to do what government's supposed to do and not and, and otherwise kind of stay out of their way. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 in 716. As the campaign frenzy and debate optics continue to unfold in the race for Erie County Executive, we slow down here on WBEN and go in-depth with the candidates. Today, it's Lynn Dixon's turn. With respect to the road reconstruction, uh, we I feel like we are always playing catch-up. We are always reacting. Um, We're being reactive instead of proactive. The politics of road repair, again, a big topic in the race as Dixon spent an hour in studio with Susan Rose and Brian Mazurowski. If we had a 10-year plan, it takes the politics out of government. Uh, Also, with maintenance, one of the problems, uh, and of course, in Buffalo and Western New York, our roads are not going to last as long as, as communities in the south because of the weather that we have. But having said that, you can still um, extend the le- extend the, the length of the road work if you if you do a better maintenance plan. If you're better with the ditching and removing water from the roadway and that sort of thing. And I don't think we we do enough of that. Just maintenance, just road maintenance to extend the life of the road. Uh, when it comes to roads, it seems like there's a perception that roads get paved. You know, they're, it's political how roads get paved. It depends on whose district it's in and who, you know, gets the squeaky wheel. How can you change that? Well, I, I do believe that it's political. And I will use as one example uh, Legislator John Mills, who was chairman of the legislature a few years ago. Uh, he had received a message from Mark Polenkars, and it was a voicemail message in which he said, uh, I need your vote on something that Mark was pushing. And in exchange, if you give me your vote on this, I will fix this road for you. So that, in my estimation, is putting uh, politics before public safety. And that's a problem. You know, these roads are not his roads. They're your roads. They're our roads. So we have to treat this community like that. We have to approach things from a very 
community mindset and not a political mindset. Uh, right now, we are seeing the scramble to do roads at the end of road construction season. And I've had numerous people say to me, you know, what's all this? All, all of a sudden, we're seeing all this patching done that we've been waiting years and years and years for. And I said, well, you should wish that every year was an election year because then you would get your roads done. Uh, Mark Polencars is sending out mailers in the, in the areas where roads are getting done right now. Uh, with um, a letter from him, not his public works commissioner, and nice glossy photo with some highlights of what, what I'm doing in Erie County. And that, to me, is a political mailer <laughs> that you all are paying for. And so there is politics that infiltrates road work right now. And that's to take the politics out of road work. You identify the roads uh, and you work closely with the highway superintendents in each community uh, to identify where they see the greatest needs are because even though it's a county road, as we know, um, a lot of times people don't know uh, who mm -hmm. owns the road and they'll their, their first con point of contact oftentimes is with their towns, um, to hear where they're getting the complaints and doing the road work that way. Uh, I don't think that you should bargain or horse trade road work for, for anything. Um, and and I do think we need to to do better maintenance plans. You know, yesterday, Polencar said in studio to us that it's the Greater Buffalo Niagara Regional Transportation the Council mm -hmm. that identifies the roads, gives them a score, and that's how the priority, it's how the system is prioritized. Are you saying that it's not that way? Well, he's he's on record as saying i'll do this road if you give me this and we, I should also point out that we borrow a significant amount of money for road work. It's not just all right out of the, the budget. Um, so we, we do a lot of capital. Um, and we've borrowed $92 million since 2012. $26 million of that remained on the table. So you're paying interest on, uh, on m money that was borrowed to do road work that's not getting done. So um, that money is not going to work for you right now. From roads in general to one highway specifically. I am one of the 42, 43,000 vehicles that uh, travel the Skyway on an almost daily basis. And I know what happens when the Skyway is not open and I see the inconvenience for, um, for travelers. Lynn Dixon weighs in on plans for the Buffalo Skyway. I think that you know, the Skyway has provided uh, a quick... Uh, way to get into the city um, for years for Southtown residents. And I think what we cannot do is just say we tear the Skyway down without a viable plan that is actually, you know, getting us um, moving traffic as quickly as the Skyway does. And I haven't seen, with respect to the, the, the plan that was put in place and, and talk of what they were going to do with Tip Street, I don't see traffic moving um, very quickly, and I think it would cause a number of delays. I remember when um, former state senator uh, Mark Rosani, I believe he was head of the uh, Transportation Committee at the time in the Senate, and he held a public meeting, and he invited the public to come and hear their comments, and I think that would be a great a, a great start again to hear comments and see if they've changed over the course of the last few years. I can tell you when I was at that particular meeting, um, the overwhelming majority of people that attended that uh, meaning wanted the Skyway to stay. Uh, and I know developers have voiced their opposition to taking down the Skyway because when you talk about a number of costly projects for this community, you really have to start prioritizing and say, saying which ones are the most would make the greatest impact for Buffalo and Western New York uh, because you can't do 
all of that. Do, do you get worried when it comes to the Skyway because, you know, the governor comes in and starts talking about this design competition? I'm pretty sure he doesn't take the Skyway every day or, you know, really lives around the Skyway and knows how it impacts Buffalo or doesn't impact Buffalo for that matter and kind of has this, uh, you know, grand idea and says, wow, this would be great to bring to Buffalo. And it is a state road, so it's, you know, maybe the state's final say in this. Do you, do you ever get concerned that maybe local voices are being pushed out of that conversation? Oh, I, I get concerned all the time that local voices are getting pushed out of the conversation in Albany. Uh, and I think having a public meeting like that, again, would help relieve some of those concerns of residents. Um, but I also think that's what public service is. You go out in the communities to, under, to better understand what the people are dealing with and how these decisions impact people truly on a daily basis. Let's uh, just turn the, the tables up to a little bit. Your opponent's been running ads. Susan takes the conversation into the political weeds as she asks about the controversy over a campaign ad from the Poland Cars camp in which photos appear to be enhanced or changed to show Dixon alongside former convicted congressman Chris Collins. With you and convicted congressman Chris Collins, for the record, has Collins influenced you in any way, and has he been part of this campaign in any way? No, and and I will say that's where um, you know you talk about a lying, deceitful um, campaign against me, and that this is it. Uh, first and foremost, he photoshopped a Purple Heart veteran out of a photo and photoshopped Chris Collins in to look like I was standing with a big happy face next to. Chris Collins. Um, secondly, I, and I said this to Mark Polencars last week, I said, Mark, I've talked to you more in the last 24 hours than I have to Chris Collins in the past eight years. Um, it's, it's deceptive. It's, it's not true. Um, he's been trying to fight this fight for 10 years now. A few, a few years ago, they sent out some ridiculous mailer that I was out partying with the congressman the night before an important vote in Washington. Never happened. I mean, just never happened. Uh, I don't believe I've ever taken any campaign contributions from him. I haven't talked to him about this campaign. Um, it's, it's, he's trying to make... He's trying to relive 2011 all over again because he, he enjoyed such great success in 2011. I am not Chris Collins. I am not close to being Chris Collins. I am not the same personality. I'm not the same person. I'm there, it's ridiculous. And he keeps wanting to run an eight-year-old campaign. And it's not true. A, a lot of... Uh what he's uh, alleging in these ads has to deal with when Collins was county executive himself and uh, your relationship uh, with the county executive. You have a relationship with the county executive now, which is Mark Polencars. How would you say uh, that relationship is different, say, between Collins and Polencars? And how would you describe your relationship as a legislator with the county executive? Brian, I am not one of those people that takes to Twitter and social media bashing other electeds. I believe that you need to honor the office and that you have to find ways to work together. So prior to my running for county executive, I was never out publicly tweeting, trashing the county executive. You find ways to work together even if you don't agree with them. And even when I was part of the majority caucus for four years, 
We found ways to work with the county executive, even if we didn't like everything that came to us. But there was a certain level of respect. It's, it's about being the adult in the room sometimes. And so, um, so you find ways to work together. Same thing you know, with the former county executive. And um, uh, you, know, you find ways to work together. I will point out that uh, I was a legislator for two years when Chris Collins was in office. Um, the very first budget that Chris Collins sent over to us, um, we made amendments to restore some of the cuts that he had made. Um, the second budget that he sent to us was his budget, but then he lost his bid for re-election so that it was going to be the budget that Mark Polencars inherited and then would have to work with. So I worked with the, the county executive-elect at that time to put in place some things that he felt he needed in the budget to get started on the right foot with his vision. And we did that. So I, you know, I believe in working together. Uh, I don't believe in like this animosity all the time, but I also believe in allowing other voices to be heard. And what I've seen over the course, especially of the last couple of years, is that it's, it's his vision and his decision and his views and nobody else's. And we don't get to uh, provide any input. There's no deliberation, discussion, debate in the legislature. Uh, when we have an issue that we would like to be taken up, more often than not, it's tabled. And that's become very frustrating to me because I don't think the voices of Erie County residents are being heard. Then there is the political divide, the toxic nature of politics of late, pitting one side against the other. I think people are very frustrated across this country and across this community about the great political divide. You know, right now you're being forced into one corner or the other. You're not allowed to find yourself somewhere in the middle. Dixon sees herself as more of a politician who can reach across the aisle, look for consensus. You're not allowed to be able to um, think on your own. If you are, if you have this letter next to your name, then you must be all this. If you have this letter next to your name, then you must be all that. And that doesn't move us forward. That attitude and that mindset does not move us forward. And yes, I've seen over the course of the last several years uh, a greater divide uh, in our country. And it's 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 been you know it's been coming for the last decade or so. And it's really at a tipping point now. And it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, even when you talk about taking like like they'll put pictures up, right? Or you took well when you're in public office, you you work with people. Uh, of all political stripes, or you're supposed to, um, and and you know now it's it's like you 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 shook hands with that person once, so you must be this, or you mm-hmm. must be that, and that's not that's not what moves us forward. All that does is just keep feeding the beast. Uh, you mentioned you can see maybe the the further political divide over the last uh, several years, but you've probably talked to maybe more people around Erie County over the last few months than you ever have before, you know, going mm-hmm. all around during the campaign. When you talk to people in person, do you notice a, a greater divide? Because I, I feel like I notice it online, you know, when I listen to comments coming into this station or elsewhere in the media. But, you know, everyday interactions, I don't see it as much. If you don't talk politics, yeah. right? It's like it's like th- some things you don't bring up at the Thanksgiving table, you know, and politics is one of them. Um, I Yes, I've noticed a divide. I've noticed a frustration among people. Uh, and... 
it's it's but I also feel like people just you know so many people that I talk to they just they they just want government to do what government's supposed to do and not and and otherwise kind of stay out of their way um I th- I think people just just are tired of a lot of the rhetoric and they just want to see things get done and they just you know, want to carry on with their lives. Hear the complete candidates in conversation online at WBEN.com and this Sunday from 10 till noon on WBEN. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.